I always break it down. There's three components. Mm. You pay a monthly premium or an annual premium. It goes into three different parts. The first is the administrative fees. You call them cleaner fees. Janitor fees. Janitor fees. Yeah, admi- administrative fees. So that, that pays for the company, that pays for them to process your application, pays their employees, pays the agent's commissions, uh, keeps the lights on at the, at the carrier, right. all, all that stuff, right? So basically that's for, for their part. The second component when it, when it comes to your premium the second part goes to the cost of insurance. So however much insurance that you get. So with an IUL policy, if you're getting a minimum death benefit like 50000 or 100000 versus a $500,000 policy, whatever your premium is, more of that money is being apportioned, going, more of that second component is going towards your cost of insurance because there's more insurance to cover. All right, so welcome. Uh, you got here for our agent Q&A. You got your host here, John. We got Joanne. Hi, everyone. And we got Albert. All right, so we're going to go into our first topic. So we had a, we have some agents um, that asked about the cash value and cash value surrender options and stuff. Uh, but let's start with the basics. What is cash value and what type of policies do have cash values? What do you know, Joe? Um, so I, I don't know that much, but I do know that um, whole lives typically have a cash value Mm-hmm. accumulation there for um for the clients and it kind of and it builds up over time over time and then they're able to borrow against it mm-hmm. or also it can help to pay their future premiums if they don't pay them correct that's kind of what i know yep. yeah right. yeah so that's a good benefit right but what what products do actually build cash value Bert? so uh any permanent coverage so a whole life policy an index universal life policy any type of universal life policy could be variable, it could be fixed. Mm. Um, one thing I, I learned is that was a kind of a cool thing is term does not have cash value. Yeah. However, here at Family First Life, this is where I discovered this. Uh, you have a term policy with return of premium. So there's there's certain policies that's a term with return of premium primarily used for mortgage protection situations. Mm-hmm. So it'll cover you for the next 15, 20, 30 years. If you don't pass away, all the money you paid into it, you get back. Really cool deal. Uh, so I was like, how's that term have a possible? It's, it's a little bit technically misleading because when, right. when you do a term, it's a, just a term. There's no cash value. But if you do a term with return of premium, then technically it's a guaranteed universal life policy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the way that the actuary set it up is that they account for here's how, here's how much premium that needs to be paid into it for us to invest this much into whatever. And after a certain period of time, it'll pay up, it'll make enough money for us to be able to return all the premiums back to the client. So that's a, that's the slight caveat. Otherwise, a term does not have cash value, a whole life, a universal life, and term with return of premium only. Right. And then, yeah, so it's confusing too because with universal lives, you get an annual statement. Right. So when you have a CBO like with America or your Mutual of Omaha Term Life Express, you do get an annual statement about your cash value. So... Be prepared for that. So some of your clients will come back and say, how come I have this letter? Is there, is there something wrong? Is there something going on with my policy? Right. It's just an annual statement of how your cash value is doing. Right. So what is the benefit of a cash value, though, compared to a term? Why do clients need it? What's the purpose? I hear it's it's more expensive compared to a term. How would you expand on that for a client asking, a client with, like, basic information knowledge? If you guys enjoy, I'm saying it too many times. Thanks for joining us so far. That's all I remember. We continue to share with other people. We, do, we probably need to redo it, right? 
Hey guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you guys have found this stuff helpful up to this point, or you guys would like to see some other stuff, please uh, like and subscribe and uh, create a comment so we can uh, cover that next topic. And continue watching the show. Well, so with, with a whole life policy, it's pretty simple. It's, uh, there's the cost of the insurance and then whatever a little bit of excess goes towards the cash value account. So it gets divvied up into those things. I actually been been, been uh, working with some IUL clients and I always break it down. There's three components. Mm. You pay a monthly premium or an annual premium. It goes into three different parts. The first is the administrative fees. You call them cleaner fees. Janitor fees. Janitor fees. Yeah, administrative, yeah. Administrative fees. So that, that pays for the company, it pays for them to process your application, pays their employees, pays the agents' commissions, uh, keeps the lights on at the, at the carrier, right. all, all that stuff, right? So basically that's for, for their part. The second component when it, when it comes to your premium the second part goes to the cost of insurance. So however much insurance that you get. So with an IUL policy, if you're getting a minimum death benefit like 50000 or 100000 versus a $500,000 policy, whatever your premium is, more of that money is being apportioned, going, more of that second component is going towards your cost of insurance because there's more insurance to cover. Mm. Okay, And then any remaining part of your premium when it comes to an IUL policy, the remaining portion of that, the third component, goes towards your cash value accumulation. So if structured properly, you can have uh, covers the cost of insurance and the fees, and then the remaining balance you can overfund as much as you can, and then it goes building into the cash value portion of that, that that third part of it, and then it continues to compound over time at a at a pretty decent interest rate if the market's doing well, if the index is doing well, and then you can take it out on a loan or you can keep that money, you know, if you choose to. Yeah. So going back to the benefit of cash value at the end of it you have a lot of options. Yes. Right? So we have these things called cash surrender options or non-forfeiture options in uh, the insurance industry. So we're going to go through four. Uh, we have some agents that, that are pretty savvy, but th they also get confused on it too. Okay. Uh, we had a conversation earlier where the agent thought that if I paid on a whole life policy and I paid more or exactly the amount of my face amount, I'm paid up. No. It's not correct, right? Not correct. Yeah. So for example, if I... The agent sold a ten thousand dollar policy, and the clients, let's say, they're seventy, and their premiums are maybe like two hundred dollars a month. If they paid ten thousand total, will the policy be paid up, and they don't have to pay anything anymore, and they can borrow money from it from the cash value? No, that's not that's not <laughs> true. And, and and here's the reason why: you get what you pay for, right? Right. So the thing is, um, yeah, especially when it comes to like a little bit older of a client, someone that's a little up there in age, their premium is going to be higher, and then sometimes, especially associated with age depending on how they took care of themselves or if it's a genetic thing, they may not be that healthy. They might have a graded policy, yeah. meaning the rates are higher than what it should be for a standard day one level coverage. So they're paying for that additional rating. So what you're paying for is you're paying for the insurance company to cover you in the event that you're going to pass away. But they're also taking, the insurance company is also taking a risk because you could die the next day. Tomorrow, yep. I mean, any of us one could. premium. Any of us could. But statistically speaking, if you're up in age, and you have health conditions, you're, you have a higher likelihood of passing away. And that insurance companies, yes, they're charging you a certain premium. And then what if you outlive that and you pay more into it? Yeah, but what if you don't? Right. Right. So I think that's the overlooked aspect when, when clients say, like, well, what if I outlive it? And it's like, man, you have this health condition, this health condition, this health condition. You're 70-something. <laughs> you waited this long. Like, what do you really think? Like, what do you, like, do you have a, do you have some type of really 100% predictable way of knowing that you're not going to die before then? Yeah. Yeah, so you got to understand, like, the insurance companies are not nonprofit. Right. <laughs> they are for profit. Yes. So they uh, 
they use the same actuarials from all the companies, which is actually funny. It's an integrity company now, CSG Actuarial. Um, but what they do is they know the numbers. They know the mortality based on your age, your health, your medication. And then they use third-party companies like the, the MIB and the, the Milliman and Telescript. They have all the data to determine this is the length and longevity of your lifespan. This is how much we should make money off of you if you maintain this policy and until we have to pay out. Right. But understand the purpose of insurance, it's pooling in a risk and then divvying it up and paying it out when it, it does. OK, so your current risk, let's say it's a twenty thousand dollar funeral plan. You have a big risk. You don't have the policy. You don't have the money. That's your risk. You're giving that risk to the insurance company. They're willing to pay you the twenty thousand for so and so a month, let's say one hundred or two hundred dollars a month. But if you die tomorrow, twenty thousand is there. What if you paid and paid the 20000 throughout those years? Well, you still eliminated that risk, right? So Andrew Taylor, he had that, that good uh, rebuttal. What if I would just put my money aside and I could have saved this all this time and I could have maybe invested it? You can. Then that would make you self-insured, right? But if you're not self-insured right now, if you overpaid by maybe $100 or $200, then you only paid $200 for that $20,000 policy. At the end of the day, it took care of your risk at any given point in time. Plus, that's a very glib comment when, when clients say that, when they're just like, well, instead of paying this $100 a month or $200 mm -hmm. a month premium, what if I just, I could I could just put it aside and save it myself. It's like, okay, well, ha why haven't you? Yeah. Like, ha have you done it so? Like, now you're thinking about this instead of like putting money towards this? And then the second follow-up question is like, okay, well, what would you invest into? And then they'll be like, oh, I don't know, like stocks. Like, oh, you follow stocks? Like, what do you? <laughs> like what do you know about that like if you if you knew about it wouldn't you have done it already yeah. where's your hundred dollars gonna go how's it gonna turn to twenty thousand you have a plan exactly what you can put in your savings you know great interest rate on that <laughs> less than one percent interest rate yeah. you think you're gonna cover a funeral cost by putting a hundred bucks a month for that or you could do it here right you're basically doing the same thing you're you're gonna get this money back your family will get this money back one way or another right so that's that just i it's just it's just funny i mean it, Initially, when I was uh, a new agent, when I used to get that that objection, I used to be like, "Dang, they got me good." Yeah, like, no response. I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to overcome that because it's like you you start sympathizing with them too much. You start mm -hmm. thinking, "Yeah, you know what? You're right." Or like, "What if they pay more than what the policy is actually worth?" Or you're thinking, "Yeah, you're right. This is too expensive for you at right. your rate, at your price. You're not getting a good deal." Right? But see, but see, you know that that's that's what new agents or agents that haven't been selling a lot think because. Yeah. They're projecting their own financial situation to that. They're like, yeah, you know, this client's right. What if they pay more? Like, that's not a good deal. And like, you're broke. Yeah. <laughs> right? Especially so when you were younger too, right? I remember that when I was younger. I mean, I started the insurance in at 21, 22 when a client said, oh, this is too expensive. You're right. This is expensive. Right. So it makes a difference, but you got to have a logical response and answer for that. Right. right. They're in their situation because they're in that situation. So are we solving a problem or we're just hypothetical with all these things again? Yeah, plus you gotta you gotta stand behind what you're what you're presenting too. Like, for me, if a client says like, "Oh, this hundred dollars is too much," and like the old me would maybe would have been like, "Yeah, it seems like a lot of money," but now I'm like, "Man, I spend more than this at the bar." Right. Like, like this is like this is nothing. And plus, I also stand behind it, and I'll and I'll I'll be like, I wouldn't have shown this to you if you had this part taken care of already, because we've identified that you have a problem, and your the need that you have is that you don't have your funeral taken care of. Or you need this much amount of coverage to cover to, to pay off, you know, your mortgage, whatever it is. So like I'm presenting this based off of your needs. Yeah. I'm not presenting because like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just gonna make up an arbitrary hundred or two hundred dollar, three hundred dollar a month premium. It's just like I'm just presenting it to you. You can let me know if it's too much, 
and we'll kind of work, we'll kind of reverse engineer and kind of try to work from there and try to back, back it down, see if we can get something that fits more into your current budget or the budget you think you have in your mind. Yeah, their final price of what they should be thinking of spending for insurance. Which is also such a tremendous fallacy because you go in and you present a certain plan and they're like, oh, that's too much. And it's like, compared to what? Like what did like what did you think that was going to cost you? Like you're getting this much amount of coverage. Like these actuaries have put together these these prices, these rates for for insurance because it's scary. It's kind of scary because I think I was talking to Andrew Taylor about this. Yeah, I think I was talking to a few other people. They're like, it's crazy how these actuaries can basically predict when you're going to die mm-hmm. based on your health conditions, based on your age, based on your weight, based on all these different factors. Like they can reasonably predict when you're going to die based off of all these other factors. Like they're just looking at this person, they're not like, hey, this individual person is going to die. But it's like person that fits this profile yeah. based of all these other factors that we're considering, we know they're going to die right around this time, so we got to create this rate for it. So it's like... <laughs> a profitable rate. <laughs> or not even profit, just that they're not going to lose money. But yeah. that's just how... that With the law of large numbers and the amount of time that they've had to, to crunch all this data, yeah, you, we all got an expiration date. These insurance companies probably know better than you do. Yeah, man. So it's like, all right, well, you're telling me that it's not worth it because you think you're going to live longer. But it's like, your diabetes is not indicating that. <laughs> like These health conditions, your family genetics, like whatever it is, like, let's just get real about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a gambler. It's like the Vegas odds, man. The bookies always know the numbers. Right. They know everything. <laughs> Percentages, why? Right. Up and down, right right to the line. Right. right? It's, it's pretty predictable. Like, I would say 80 to 85% close to... The betting line for Vegas for dealers, yeah. We're talking about for insurance, just even like sports betting, Vegas, like it's all numbers, it's all law of large numbers, just just throughout the history, you know. And they're they're seeing these things. So, going back to the cash value question, um, why why have cash value? What's the benefit for the client then? What can they do with it when they do build cash value? And how long does it take to start uh, building cash value? Well, with an IUO policy, if you if you overfunded then it could it could start building within the first year doesn't mean you can access all of it because mm-hmm. it typically takes one well, like 10 11 years before you can access the f- same amount of cash without surrender fees without yeah. any fees or wh- whatever yeah um but you know that if you if you're doing an iul or policy for for that specific purpose then yeah you can start building up some cash value you know obviously it won't be too much in the first few years so people got to be realistic about that it kind of it kind of compounds over time you really need some time to go into that too so you need a good good principal balance and then it'll continue to compound and then it starts picking a momentum as the years go by. Okay. So if you're, if you're expecting to have a lot of money up front to be able to just, I'm going to take out a policy and then next year I'm going to, I want to buy a house. Mm. Not realistic. Unless you front load it to the degree and you have that much money and you got a lot of money to begin with. Right. Cause you're doing it for that specific purpose. Cause the interest rate of you borrowing against your own policy policies, cash value is lower than that of borrowing from the bank. Mm-hmm. And that's a very small niche in yeah. terms of the, the type of clients that we deal with. So, so if, you, if you don't know, you don't know how that specifically works, that's probably not your market and clientele right now anyway. Yeah, not yet. But I mean, if you have clients, we can help you get there. Yes. Right. So, but on a whole life, typically it would, it would do about two to three years to start de- yeah. developing and then it'll snowball. Right. But in an IUL, it's a flexible premium type product. So it's based on how much premium you put in. At front load, seven year, and all those things, right? So and having a good agent that knows how to structure it properly based Correct. off of your needs. <laughs> Correct. So <laughs> making sure needs. And if you don't know, 
don't worry, we got your back. But if you if you want to learn learn on your own, remember we have FFLAMS.com. You yes. can ask a specialist. So going to the cash value options, what can an agent or a client do or the agent do for the client once there's cash value accumulated? Okay, what's the first option? Uh, it's called the cash surrender request. What does that what does that mean? Cancel my policy. What do I have my cash value? Give that to me. Yeah. Right. Do you pay taxes on that? No. Okay. So what what can it do? You can essentially, you know, build your life insurance, have a, a protection. Whenever you feel like you don't need the life insurance anymore or you ever feel like, okay, well, let me cash out. I can always get a new policy. You have that little piggy bank, right? You can save it, take some money out, out of it. Uh, funny enough, I have a story with my sister. She had a policy with our old company. Okay, and it came to a point where, well, we have these IOL products now. We used to only have whole life. She's had it since the start. In fact, actually, you were the agent right, <laughs> right before I got my license in. And she built up like a good $14,000 into the policy. I found a new IOL product for her that still beat her price right. 14 years in. So she starts a new one, but she got to cash out her life insurance. And that 14000 is cash, you know, tax-free. She was able to go to Hawaii, spend some money, take care of some bills, and probably have a little bit left over. So that's the benefit of uh, cash value life insurance. So one is to cash out. A second one that's an automatic feature is called an automatic loan provision or APL, automatic uh, provision loan. Can you explain that? Yeah, that's a very important component. I think it's often overlooked. You know, so if you had a term policy, you don't have access to this uh to, to, to keep the policy going when times get tough, if you forget to make a payment. Sometimes people change their bank account and they don't, they don't notify the insurance company that they have a new billing method. So sometimes the policy goes undrafted for the following month or maybe sometimes multiple months depending on the grace period within for that respective carrier. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you don't make that payment, generally it goes into a grace period before it's about to lapse. But then the thing is if you have cash value, and then you selected the automatic premium loan provision, which most of it's default for yep. most most carriers. I don't know why it's it's an option to to select it. <laughs> it's it should be automatic. It, sh- it should be, but I mean, I guess some people value the cash value more than keeping their policy going. But it'll lapse if yeah. they don't pick that. That's weird. So I mean, the automatic premium loan provision allow allows the cash value that's in there if selected. It's if you forget to make a payment, if you. Uh, if you didn't have funds for that particular month, you changed your bank, you just the draft didn't go through for whatever reason. The, it's automatically against draft that, that next month's premium from the from the cash value, so it keeps the policy rolling, so it keeps it in force. Because the worst thing that happens is, let's let's play out this scenario. Yeah. What's the like? What's what's usually the reason why people don't make their monthly premium or or don't have money for it to draft? They don't have money, right? Insufficient funds. Insufficient funds. Like maybe they, they came across a rough stretch. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, their hours got cut at work. Maybe they're, they're, they're in between jobs. Something happened. Yeah. So financially, they're, they're, they're in a struggle. And then like, what's the first thing that goes? Typically, it's like stuff like the life insurance. Yeah. They'll, they'll pay their phone bill. They'll pay for their cable. They'll pay for their internet. So they can get on YouTube and kill time yeah. to, to, to hide from their problems and not have to deal with the face on and just keep watching like cat videos <laughs> so you could do that but but generally like you're you're struggling financially or you're not even paying attention to your bank like something happened to your bank and you're you're it's not drafting for whatever reason mm. so if if that happens the thing is like you probably need this insurance more than more than others because yeah credit score impacts you know people's like mortality rates right right because you're stressing about money and then you start doing desperate things and whatever. I mean, 
insurance companies know all about that too. Yeah. So the thing is, like, if you're already struggling financially and then you want to just let your insurance policy go, like, your, your odds of passing away probably goes up a little bit, mm-hmm. right, in those situations, those dire, dire situations. So that's important that your policy continues to stay in force because at that point then, you know, you're at least protected for that part in case something does happen to you. Your family's not going to have to worry about it because financially you're all struggling, but if you passed away as a primary breadwinner and you're not in the picture anymore, your family for sure is going to struggle at least they have the life insurance yeah. for you. Yeah. So I have I have a scenario too. So uh, two scenarios. How I I used to sell the EPL. It's a it's I would sell it as an insurance to your insurance, right? If you're having a financial struggle, insufficient funds, maybe you even had a flat tire and you can't pay all your bills. Well, rather than your bills getting cut, your life insurance getting cut, and then you have to start back over. The life insurance kicks in like its its own generator. <laughs> it starts to borrow the money, keep the policy in force, and when you're ready to make a payment again, you don't have to start back over. You just pick up where you left off. Right. So you can pay or have the policy pay for it for a few months until you're ready to, to bounce back. Um, but back in the days, think of it this way. When people used to pay their bills by mail and they, they forgot it, let's say they go on you know a trip and they they missed the, the mail, it's going to automatically kick in. Their policy continues to pay as well. So what's the, the subtraction? A few months out of their policy for the borrowed money, right? Um, so that's an automatic APL. You can, also, you can also borrow it specifically when you call the company or you call your agent and you call the company to, to borrow it. You just find, you know, fill out some forms. This is actually really good for people that before they go insufficient funds, they know it's going to happen. So they can call the insurance company and get, a, get some money out of it too. You just got to make sure you pay it back, right? What would happen if you don't pay it back? Yeah, so you don't have to pay it back. It's just when you do finally pass away, it's going to... The, the death, death benefit's going to subtract the loan amount minus plus the interest, and then you get paid out. Your family gets paid out whatever was not taken out on the loan. Yeah. So if you're you're, you're preparing, you know, you're financially like savvy, you understand your life insurance options, your cash value options, you can tap into that instead of having to go to a bank, ask for you know a personal loan, or tap into your credit card. You can go to your insurance company. It's typically like six to six, seven, eight percent of a loan interest. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's like four and four and a half percent. To just borrow from it. Borrow so from it's your cheap. Policy. And then remember, you don't have to pay it back. If you just die in between, it still comes out of your policy. So I got a gym buddy. He's expecting twins. And he was like, okay, I'm working um, double time right now. He's in construction. But he's expecting twins. He's going to have to go on paternal leave too. He can't have his wife take care of all that by herself, right? So it's bad enough when you have one baby. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine two babies at the same time. Woo! So he's expecting a financial possible setback because he's going to have to not work and so he asked me, John, um, I could borrow out of my cash value insurance, right? It's like, yeah, depends on how long you've had it. You can tap into it. And he was, he was smart. He was saying, you know, I know I'm going to tap into my savings. I'm going to tap into this. But I just got to ride through that, that first couple of months. That's where cash value comes in for you guys. So this is a benefit only a, a permanent plan can have versus the uh, term plan. Uh, let's talk about the, the two options. Sometimes it kicks in. Sometimes you do have to call it in. Uh, what do you guys know about the paid-up option or the reduced paid-up option and the extended term? So the paid-up option, unless the – so we have a carrier called AIG that, mm-hmm. that does a paid-up option. So they only have to pay up to a certain age. I think it's 89 or something. Yeah, it depends on when age. they started. Yeah. 85, 89, some, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. If you start later. Right. But um, basically, you 
continue to pay your premiums and have some cash value in there, which I wouldn't make that as a strong selling point for the for the agents too. If you're selling a final expense plan to an older couple mm-hmm. or to an older individual, like I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, you can cash get cash value, you can buy a house with it, and get a car. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's like that's not realistic. Yeah, right. So it's just like I'd say. Because they'll ask me sometimes, they're like, oh, is this, does this one have a cash value? And I'm like, yes, there will be one. However, it's just to be realistic with you, it's not going to be a lot. It's just going to be there in place just in case, you know, you come across tough times, you can't make the payment payment premium. It's just going to continue your policy going and you choose to pay back if you, if you want to or not. And then it'll be taken out of the final face amount. So that's not really for you to generate a lot of income off of this or to be able to have a ton of access to loan money. Yeah. It's more just, it's just there to protect your policy. Emergency fund in a sense. And it also will potentially build up a reduced paid up option for you, Mm -hmm. which when that happens with a reduced paid up option, it basically takes whatever cash value is built up plus whatever premiums you paid. And the insurance company just keeps it and just says like, all right, here's how much insurance you'll get. You don't have to worry about making more payments, but you'll always have this set amount whenever you pass away. Yeah. So it's almost like using whatever cash value you got, it's taking it like a single premium and paying for a final settlement life insurance. Right. We call it reduced, a reduced paid up because let's say you started with maybe 100,000, you had like 20,000, 30,000 dollars of cash value. You're surrendering that whole 30,000. The 30,000 will then buy a final pay, face amount that's going to be lower than your initial start. So you went from 100,000, maybe it'll drop down to 75, 80,000. It's reduced. But it's paid up, so no more future payment premiums. Right. So when you have clients that, that will give you these uh, these concerns, well, John, do I have to pay these policies forever? You can. It's good till you die, you know, until you're dead. Or it's good till, till when you want to stop paying, making payments. But you can also do a paid-up option if you do want to. Let's say you want to retire. You want to get rid of some bills. You still need life insurance, but maybe you don't need $100,000. you are down to fifty. Still free life insurance at the end. Uh, last part would be the extended term. Um, this has to be typically initiated by the agent or the, cl- the client, right? The insurance company doesn't just trigger this on their own. Right. Did you say? No. Yeah, not that I know of, unless it was like old school policies. Right. What is an extended term? Uh, I don't know that well, actually. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, it, it, it's so low nowadays. It's less likely to happen. We'd, we'd rather do a paid-up option, uh, but essentially what it's doing as you guys know, whole life compared to a term is more expensive, yeah. right? So what will it do is that it's going to extend your policy using the cash value to extend the term of your policy for however many years and however many days. So if you review your policy, you'll see the fourth option, extended term. Let's say you got $3,000. We were looking at one with Misha earlier. A $3,000 cash value for a, a graded plan was able to extend it for 14 years and like 282 days. So... In, a, in an event where the client can't make a payment, they don't care for the cash value, but they want to keep a little bit of life insurance, it extends their term period until it expires. Um, now, what about the face amount? That is up to the insurance company. because it, 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 re- it could potentially reduce it. It could potentially reduce, but it doesn't say the reduced face amount. So if it's extending the term, most likely it could be a full payout, payout of the, the coverage. But, of course, it's using the cash value. So it's a little tricky in that end. But think of it this way. It's like... Uh, a layaway into your policy is <laughs> being laid away. You're using the cash value. It's extending its policy until the, the cash value taps out. Right. So these cash values are there for the client. They're, think of it like insurance on their insurance. It's a benefit. If you guys don't know too much about it, it's, it's really good as a selling tool for the, the client. 
Because sometimes, you know, they're in a fixed income. They're thinking about all these things. And it's a feature you can say to them to, to upsell in a sense if they feel like, well, well, what if in the future I can't afford a $200 premium? Well, a $200 premium will build up a cash value higher than a $100 premium. And then you'll have more cash value options. Have you, uh, have you ever had to use cash value as a selling tool before? Well, I do it for IULs all the time. You know, so I, I guess so. It depends on what the lead type is, too. So, so here, here's my piece of advice for agents watching. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, just because you like a product doesn't mean it's right for all the clients. True. So sometimes I'll, I'll hear agents, like, pushing the same product over and over again. Same same line. And then, like, some of these clients are not that healthy, and some of these clients are <laughs> older, and some of these clients can't afford it. And I'm just like, I'm like, why do you keep pushing that product? Yeah. And then there's, like, they're like it's a great product. And then I'm like, do you have this product? <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes sometimes they do, which I'm like, okay, I understand. Like, you really love this product. Yeah. And then sometimes they don't even. And I'm like, why do you keep pushing this product? I'm like, expand your knowledge base and start. And like, yes, yeah, it's, it's good to have a preference. Yeah. It's good to be an expert on one particular thing. But stop pigeonholing your clients into one product for everybody because it's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Like, this, like stuff like this, and then you're, you're actually the best teacher's your experience and just getting out there and just helping a lot of people over the course of time of actually getting real experience and doing it, this is when you discover, oh, that's why we shouldn't show this product for everybody and maybe this product actually fits better and this is how I can explain cash value and use it more of an asset to to be able to to, to help my sales with, with the right type of clients. Yeah. Like, you're a professional, right? You're a professional. This is your job to, to learn your business, to learn your craft, to, to get to know all the different things. If you don't know how to present something, that's perfectly fine. If you don't have knowledge on something, that's perfectly fine. But your job is to try to ask the right people, you know, try to get that information, call the carriers. Mm -hmm. That's always the first and easiest step. And then ask your upline, ask people that, that have been doing it. And this is your job. This is your responsibility to learn these particular uh, different products and, and, and services that we have to offer. It's like, if you mess up, that client is banking on your word. That it's going to be accurate. It's going to provide them with the service and the product that they were expecting. And then you don't want it, you don't want that that on your conscience and on your soul. Yeah. When that client passes away, their family they've been telling their family this whole time. Oh, my agent told me that we're going to have this and this, and then yeah. it turns out not to be the case. Like I'd feel terrible. Yeah. And not to say mistakes don't happen, but the thing is, do better. Like, like put in more work, learn your craft, study. You know, get better and just do the best that you can for your client. Yeah, I, I hate to hear it. Like, we used to have an agent um, way back in our old company, right? They would sell a small $15,000 plan, and it would have a $100,000 accidental. And so, but the way they would sell it to the client, it's like, yeah, you get $115,000 life insurance when you die. That's terrible. And then when <laughs> we do a policy review, and we review it, and they remember that distinctly, and it's a like year or two years in, and, and then we do a policy review. Okay, so you have 15000 natural, and you have 100000 accidental. Wait, 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 what? I thought I'd get 115000 total in case I die. It's like, yeah, in case you die from an accident. <laughs> That's deplorable. <laughs> that by that agent. So imagine you hear, we hear it often. You would hear some yeah. other agents where it, I, I thought my agent told me that um, I only have to pay it for three years and it's paid up. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can do a paid up option. It builds cash value in starting three years. But that three-year cash value is going to be like $100, $200, your paid-up option. It'll be reduced from like 20000 down to like maybe 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's doable. But understanding what we're talking about and not complicating everything and then over-exaggerating what it can do for the client, 
Yeah, you can definitely trick a client. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But just just for you to for the sake of you being able to make that sale, you're you're gonna intentionally be deceitful. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with fifteen thousand of whole life and a hundred thousand of accidental death if the client knows what that's the, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But if you're intentionally misleading the client saying it's one hundred fifteen thousand dollars of life insurance because it'll help you make that sale, then like. Th- there's a special place in hell for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you hate those. You run into those clients. I, I, you, I hate it. You see the same agent. Oh, here we go. <laughs> now I got to come and explain it. I dare not do this policy presentation, man. <laughs> yeah, that was that was always the worst experience too because it's like you, you come in behind that same agent that you know does stuff like this and like, I'm have a tough time explaining to the client what what they actually have. It's gonna suck <laughs> to like see their reaction. But, I mean, yeah. then again, I'm like, I'd rather they know. Yeah. yeah. See where we can come in and help out. So, yeah. use it um, to your advantage. Use the knowledge of the insurance. Use the the knowledge of each carrier product that you you are pitching. Um, but most importantly, you know, when we're talking about the cash value, back to this, knowing how these works, and then pitching it to like clients, parents for their kids, it's it's really valuable and if you have a kid you know get one i bought a policy for my one-year-old uh, i'm paying a hundred dollars uh, a month and i lowered it down to fifty thousand, the, the smallest i can for her so now it's super overfunded right so if it's going to be overfunded by the time she's 30 35 she's ready to retire she's going to have a big cash value into it or i'm going to have it and i can cash out <laughs> if i'm Daddy, around daddy's gambling money <laughs> i pay for the policy i'm the policy owner she not, she doesn't even know it yet so you have options <laughs> so hopefully this helps uh, owning a policy understanding it when a client comes back it's just a good thing for my kid well yeah i have one too that's that's where it'll come in so hopefully you guys got something out of this this is going to be recorded it's going to be on youtube on ffl elite clips please follow us like and subscribe and share it to anybody that you know that's in the industry so we can build up our following as well so thanks for joining us thanks guys we'll see you guys next week hey guys thanks for watching if you guys want to subscribe click here if you want to watch the next video click here